0: Call in at 303 690 3000 Let's join Calvary Live right now.
3: Hey, welcome everyone to today, to today's edition of Calvary Live. You guys down in Colorado Springs, welcome back on the air. We had some technical difficulties uh, with our equipment and our phone line and all the little things that make for the station. Uh, We don't pay much attention to them until they break. So thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Grace FM team, everyone involved that I don't know was involved. Appreciate you guys. Got the word this morning during staff meeting that the station's back on the air. 101.7, Grace FM in Colorado Springs. And uh, grateful to um, be back on the air. Of course, you're up in the metro area, 89.7, all the way through Cheyenne, Wyoming, the Denver metro area. This is Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. It's my day to do uh, the show and to and to uh, take your calls and your questions. So give me a call, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Text me. Text me directly. Uh, this is a dedicated text line just for the show. Taking your calls and questions. The phone lines, I'm looking at them right now, are wide open. And you know as the show progresses, uh, it has a tendency to fill up. So now's the time. If you've never been on the air or you want to be on the air, uh, give us a call. 303-690-3000. We are going to be having our first water baptism of the year tonight. Uh, we had it scheduled about a month ago, but it happened to snow that day, and we had to cancel services and cancel our water baptism, and this was the earliest on our church calendar that we could reschedule it. So tonight, we have a Wednesday night service of uh, dedicated to worship and water baptism. So uh, we'll be gathering together for worship, we're going to pray together uh, and then we're going to take everyone that wants to be in the uh, follow God in obedience as a believer into the waters of baptism. We're going to do that tonight. So come on out. 303, 6903,000. Actually, that's the number to the show. Come on out to our church service. We're on Hampton and Tower. We're actually on Hampton, just east of Tower, one block, right next to the Safeway, it's a big milestone. We're right across the street, or catty corner from the uh, movie tavern, and we're also across the street on the other corner from the Starbucks there. That at one time, uh, when Pastor Louis was the manager there years ago, it was the fast or the busiest Starbucks in Colorado, uh, right here in this area. It's, I don't know if it is anymore, um, but maybe you work at the busiest Starbucks in Colorado. Call us and tell us what your store is and why it's so busy. So 303 3000. It reminds me of uh, our remodel here at the church. We're in the, hopefully, we're closer to the end than we are to the beginning of our remodel, but <clears throat> we're remodeling all our downstairs, redoing the welcome area, redoing our bookstore, and most dramatic change, well, it probably won't be the most dramatic, but a big change will be our cafe. We're going to a third wave coffee uh, bar. Um, Uh, Our friends at Sonder Coffee in Aurora, S-O-N-D-E-R, Ernest and Julia are helping a lot, and uh, we're just so grateful for our friendship with them. Um, God has done uh, tremendous things through Sonder Coffee, and uh, while I don't get up to the store all that often, I I am able to use their beans, because now they're roasting their own beans, and I have a machine at home, and I even made one this morning, and they... Man, Ernest is only getting better and better on his roasting skills and the team there. So if you're looking for coffee up in the north end, um, northern part of Aurora, it's uh, S-O-N-D-E-R. Just Google it, and they'll give you directions there. They're helping us uh, with everything going on uh, downstairs. We're just so grateful uh, for our new coffee house that we're going to open. And, um, you know, we're, it's going to be a big different—it's going to be a big change— to the look downstairs. So if, uh, it's, I mean, we've been in construction for a while, but Steve and Everett, Steve, uh, our construction guy, and Everett, our administrator, are doing a great job um, getting it done while we still have ministry, while we still have a school on the property, and while we still have things going on all throughout the week. And uh, it, a remodel job is a lot more challenging than a... Um, <clears throat> than a build you know so we are grateful 303-690-3000 303-690-3000 taking your calls and questions and my name is Ed Taylor I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church in Aurora Uh, some of you are wondering did you guys change the name of your church we did Uh, although we are still Calvary Chapel we are still Calvary Aurora but we've also added the name church to our name, um, because we had quite a bit of uh, contact with us. The people that didn't know we were a church, they thought we were just a school, and we are a church with a school, K through eight. They thought perhaps we're just a food bank, and we are. We do have a food bank, but it's part of our church. And so in in this day and age, even without the on the building, there's no cross and no mention of church. Uh, so we. Uh, made the decision to add church to our name. So we are Calvary Church, part of the Calvary family. And I know for many of you outside of the area here, you're not familiar with Colorado, but I wish you'd come and visit us. Colorado's amazing. Uh, It's amazing even when it's not wintertime. Uh, It's better amazing if there is such a thing. And uh, we're on the east side of town. You know, you have um, Nick Cady is a pastor. He's up in the north end of town. Uh, You have... Pastor Jeff Figs, he's like on the northeast side of town. Uh, and let's see, we've got uh, Nick Cady, we have me, and we have Jeff Figs. I think that's the main, those are the main guys. J- Jason Vandevier's down in Parker, so he'd be on the south side of town. Um, we have Cody King who also fills in, he's up in the uh, north, northeast side of town, Commerce City. We have Eric Cartier who's down in the south uh, in the Colorado Springs area, Uh, and we um, are grateful to provide this, both to you guys and Hope FM, Truth FM, Grace FM, and other low-power FM stations around the country. Thank you for carrying our program. The phone lines are full, and that didn't take long. Uh, We're grateful. 303-690-3000 mark in aurora colorado mark welcome to the program
0: hi thank you um i i have a question i was just reading through john uh, the book of john and um chapter six i you know i got to the part and i've read it before but i got to the part where jesus was saying unless you eat of my flesh and drink my blood yes um i think it says something like you have no part of me or something like that yes and as i was reading it you know i was trying to put myself in the position of the the hearers of that good, good. and um as i read it i you know it, it said i think the scariest verse in the whole bible is john six sixty six. yes that it is appropriate address right i agree um, because it talks about uh and they they didn't follow him any any longer and, and putting myself in their shoes or sandals, um, I'm thinking, you know what, if I was there and I heard him starting to talk like that, I, I have to be honest, I don't know that I, I would have stayed there with him to hear that. We don't we don't hear that in churches, you know, to, to eat the flesh and other than communion. That's, sure. that's symbolic, right? right. Um, but I, why... I I guess my question is why would you put it like
3: that well let me give you the big profound answer okay I have no idea no I'm just kidding I have I do have an idea but you know we weren't there uh, to really experience it personally and I think your response you know as you as you process uh, first of all I love how you communicated to us that you try to put yourself there that's an important part of Bible study what did the original audience hear and interpret? What was being said at the time? That's one. That that's that seems like a a, a simple uh, proce- a simple part to processing the text. But many people don't do that. They immediately read into it a Western culture and completely miss the whole point of what was being said at that time in that context. And you know the 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 reality of these these words are uh Startling. there there you could even say that they are scandalous or mm. even offensive, right? right? Because the offense would be, uh, for the rabbis there, they would be highly offended at this because it was against God's law to eat flesh filled with blood or to drink blood. Right. And so the the statement was intended to uh, was intended to stir, uh, a response, which he gets. And, right. you know, the, the, John even mentions how they quarreled among themselves over this. Um, the, the, the question is, a question, not the question, but the question, a question is, was it literal or figurative? Uh, and what do you think the answer to that would be?
0: Oh, I, I know, I mean, looking back in history, it was figurative.
3: And, and I would say it is too, and I say even looking at the text it was figurative, because there's no indication that Jesus stuck out his arm for them to take a bite of it, right. or had any kind of blood available to them. And, and so one of the things we need to try to do is to not only put ourselves there, but also, but also put ourselves in the place of, from the context of understanding the Old Testament, where would they fit this in? And I think they would go back all the way to Adam and Eve, when okay. we're first introduced to eating, uh, in the Bible, and okay. remember it was the the idea of eating was the the taking in or completely um, the the complete absorption of something. So let, let's think of that for a second. Uh, when they ate that which was forbidden. Remember, they ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? That which what was forbidden. in In one part, in one part, they are taking in a fruit, but that's really not what the eating is referring to. There, that wasn't really. They're not paying the price for the fruit. Um, They're not just getting physical nourishment. They're also now their eyes are opened. Um, Mm -hmm. They're. They're no when they when they took of the forbidden fruit, not only did they have, not only were they in disobedience, but something changed in them. They are no longer continually, constantly dependent upon the Father. Their sin had separated them from the Father, and so you know, prior to the fall, <clears throat> when they had questions, whenever they had problems, whenever there might be confusion, they would just go to the Father. They didn't know any other way. They right. were completely in unity and unison with the Father. Um, but after they ate. They now had a new relationship with their Father, and now they know what's good, and they know the difference between good and evil, and they chose to accomplish it themselves. And so I believe that Jesus is giving a a figurative illustration of what it meant to be in full relationship with him. And they would understand eating. Although the blood in the body is a scandalous thought, it's intended to get their attention, I think. Right, um, but it's also speaking of a fullness of relationship. Uh, to eat of me, the tree of life. He's not the tree. He's not the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He is life. His words are spirit, and they're they are life. And so right. he says, "Come and eat of me. Take me. Allow me into the deepest part of your life. Let's let's have a deep, true fellowship of relationship." Now, did they understand this? Like in in its essence just like many of his teachings they didn't understand. Right. Um, but he taught them nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe that there would be a correlation, or at least a possible correlation, between the understanding of eating, the contextual value that they had for eating, the, the taking in of the, not only the flesh and the blood, because even though the rabbis might flip out um, at, the, at the thought of this, life is where, according to the Hebrew mind? Life is in the blood. That's right. And so yeah. I, I think that's the path that Jesus is taking him on. Of course, you know, we look back now and we commemorate a time that we know is communion, mm-hmm. um, but we don't—that's why we hold to a, um, to a symbolic view of communion, unlike the Roman Catholics who literally believe that the elements turn back into the body and blood as he's crucified again. Um, right. We don't believe that, because that's not what Jesus was teaching in John 6. And so I think mm. it's a statement of full commitment, and, and although it was scandalous to the hearers, it, it was it also, I think, was filled with meaning. Mm.
0: Do you think that it also may have something to do with, I mean, we're filled by the Holy Spirit? I mean, that goes to the deepest parts, as deep speaks with deep. Could that have been a picture of it as well?
3: It it could, but according to the chronology of John, we don't really get a a deep understanding and teaching of the Holy Spirit till a few chapters later. Okay. So, not that not that Jesus wouldn't have introduced them, not that they wouldn't recognize the Spirit descending uh, at his baptism, but in terms of that, to me, it's a call. To me, I think at this point, as he says it of himself, that it is a invitation to a deeper relationship, um, like, like there isn't, when, when he says, um, the, the reality of this, in, especially in verse 54, he says, um, well, let's start in verse 53, he says, <clears throat> I, I assure you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you, uh, but those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them at the last day. And here he explains to them, my flesh is the true food, and my blood is the true drink. And it talks about the result in verse 56. Anybody that eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. One more reason, you know, as you study this, of why this was absolutely symbolic. How do you remain in someone while at the same time they remain in you? That's kind of weird. That's even weirder. Right. right. Uh, So we know it's a relational statement. Okay. Okay. And I love this. He says, those who partake of me... I'm reading from the New Living. Sometimes reading from a different translation helps. So I'm reading from the New Living. Uh, I live by the power of the living Father who sent me in the same way those who partake of me will live because I'm the true bread. Again, symbolic. He's not a little loaf of bread. I'm the true bread of heaven, which we know is, is pointing back to Exodus in the manna, Anyone who eats of this bread will live forever and not die like your ancestor did, even though they ate the manna. So he's going in and out with these figurative um, illustrations of intimacy, but also taking them back to the literalness of relationship with God, even in the Old Covenant.
0: Okay. Yeah, okay, that shed some light on it for me. Thank you. So
3: if I have a moment in the break, I, have a, I actually have a resource that takes the New Testament teachings... And, and if they found any allusions in the Old Testament, um, they give it to you. So I'm actually at the break. I've got a minute to find it, but I'll see if I can. I forget the title of the book. It's on my Bible software, but I need to find that book. I'm going to look up this verse, and if I find anything, I'll share it on the second half.
0: Great. I appreciate it. Thank uh, you.
3: You're welcome. All right. Bye. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand is the number. That was a great question to start. Okay, I have it. It's called Commentary on the New Testament Use of the Old Testament. So they're not really using the Old Testament on it, but let's see what, what John 6. I'm going to see if we find anything. Well, it's quite the read, so I'll just have to read it. Uh, context, Jesus as the end-time manna. Interesting. Old Testament, he gave bread from heaven to eat. Yeah, it really is the focus on manna. But let me, I'll look at it a little bit, because this is a pretty intense commentary, but it's really helpful, Um, and we'll see if I can, in one minute, summarize it. 303-690-3000, Angela from Fort Collins, welcome to the program.
1: Hi, Pastor, how are you today? Good, how are you? I'm doing pretty well, thanks. Um, I was calling because um, I've been a Christian since I was a child, and as an adult, I've decided, you know, I really need to focus on making Christ, like, it's a decision. I need to move forward. But I definitely keep getting pulled into just bad habits, you know, having one too many glasses of wine or something like that. And not all the time, but I still trip and fall. But my question, of course, I want prayer for other things, but my biggest question is, you know, I get a little frustrated when, you know, I ask Jesus into my life. All the time. Yes. And new Christians, they're like, ah, it's just a life-changing event, you know? I just, I'm a totally new person in the Lord, and I get I don't know if I get jealous or if I just, I question, am I not saved? Because I don't feel like I've ever had that experience. And, you know, I gave my life to the Lord when I was a kid, so maybe I did when I was a child, but at 38, you know, I, I don't know if it's just a maturity thing where I just really need to be disciplined and try to learn more and do this and that or you know, I just wanted to kind of pick your brain about what you think about that because I I ask God, Jesus, I believe in you. You are the Lord of my life. I talk to him all day, all the time, worship music all the time, Grace FM all the time. (laughs) We do go to church and things like that. So just I keep meaning to call and I finally had the opportunity to and just really wanted to ask your advice to see what you have to say about it. It would be
3: great. it's a great great question that you ask and some great observations that you make because I do believe that sometimes the way that Christianity is portrayed, that it's portrayed within the context of emotions, feelings, and this idea of ecstatic type of occurrences, like Mm. instead of what it is, and what it is is a steady... uh, it's day by day, moment by moment walk, mm. and most of the Christian life is—I would even say this—it's normal and mundane. Um, I <laughs> actually <is> okay. <laughs> I, I even uh, I even did a Bible study on that. Let me see if I can find it. I'll have to find it on the app. Um, but just preparing our, our church, I actually used the word mundane and mm. the importance of recognizing that. You know, life, the, the Christian life is lived uh, in the normalcy of life. And, you know, we have some, there, there um, yeah, I, I called it the God of the mundane. I taught it like four years okay. ago. So I'll have to post it. If you follow on uh, Twitter, I'll post it on the Twitter. Okay. And, do you have it online? Uh, it is online. I looked it up on okay. the app. I just put uh, the word mundane in the search engine. Okay. And uh, it popped right up. It's First I'll Samuel chapter that. 9. Okay. And awesome. and so much of our lives are just, hey, I, I wake up, I take a shower, do my Devos, go to work, come home, uh, feed the kids. You know, well, I guess you have to probably pick up the kids first and, you know, yeah. all the different <laughs> things that we have that make up our lives. Sure. And we are um, prone to disappointment when we expect uh, tremendous, dramatic events and occurrences to continue in our lives, and mm. even even the point of salvation isn't necessarily a dramatic fireworks type of event. Um, okay. It is an event that we meet God uh, in the realm of truth and knowledge, and then we are born again. God, that is a spiritual occurrence that can, can sometimes be felt, Sometimes it's emotional, and I, I know when I do an invitation here and people respond, there'll be times where I remind them, just because this is an emotional response doesn't mean you're saved. Mm. Like the re- emotions in and of themselves. So let's say you called and asked the exact opposite question, and you, you say, you know, um, such and such, and this is going on in my life, and I go, well, well, how do you know you're saved? And you say, well, because I started crying when the pastor gave an invitation, so I must be saved. And, sure. and I would give a very similar answer, twi- um, ch- tweaked a little bit, but I would give a s- very similar answer. The Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. Mm. And that's our life. And what is faith? But God gives us the definition of faith that we're believing things that we don't see. And I would include that the definition of faith would also say that we believe in things that we don't feel. Uh, mm-hmm. And that makes sense. And instead, what do we do? We live in relationship. This is one of those things I tell married couples all the time because you know, in uh, a young couple thinks, oh, you know, I'm going to get married. It's going to be the best. It's going to solve every problem <laughs> in my life, and I'm never going to be sad or lonely again. And whatever it is that they're looking for, and and I say no, no, you know, that's not the case. Uh, mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, there are going to be times where you don't feel anything. Uh, and you wonder, oh my gosh, and and so what happens, I meet people, I meet the extreme of that, don't I, Uh, the pastors have to deal with the extreme of that all the time, where we've got Mm -hmm. someone in our office, I'm leaving her, well why not, what are you doing, what do you mean, did she do something (laughs) wrong, no, she didn't do something, is is she, you know, been mean to you, no, I just don't feel I'm in love anymore, right, and we're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, Um, sometimes you feel like you're in love, sometimes you don't, but when you don't, and even when you do, you live by relationship, and relationships are built on promises or covenants. Okay. And so, when it comes to God, it's very similar. Where you know, I, 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 you haven't experienced uh, a dramatic uh, salvation experience—is what I think you said, right? The...
1: Basically, yeah. I, I mean, I, like I said, I've, I've given my life to the Lord. I right. believe it. I, you know, tell everyone yes, I am very faithful. Christian, I am not the greatest Christian, <laughs> but my heart's all in. <laughs> yes, for sure. Well, that's yeah. a pretty
3: huge thing to say because yeah. that that the conditions of following God is a willingness to live by faith and to trust mm. God at His word and to do what He says and to yield to His will and to submit mm. to um, to submit to His word, to submit to your relationship with Him, no matter how you feel. And okay. what a tremendous testimony that you have to share! That uh, you have a conversion experience at a young age, and from a young age, you have lived and relationship with the God of the universe by faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, and so let's let's ask a few questions um, because this will help you. Um, this will help you kind of think through of. What does that you know? What does salvation look like? So, like for example, do you love what God loves?
1: Yes, Do very you much.
3: hate what God hates? I believe so. Uh, do you see a steady obedience in your life?
1: Trying, working on it.
3: Well, I, I mean, that, th-
1: it's it's either yes going or no. Toward, it's it's I definitely deal with you know going towards my flesh flesh side rather than the spiritual side, but I'm I'm. Recognize that, and I am trying to walk in, submit, and be more, um, not determined, but just to obey more and to walk in that faith more than I have in the past.
3: Well, I'm going to say listening to you— It's a slow
1: process, but it's getting (laughs) getting better.
3: (laughs) But even listening to you, it's uh, almost—what I hear is you've placed a lot of pressure upon yourself to hit some kind of measured goal.
0: Very when, true.
3: When the question was, was, was actually simpler than, than what you made it out to be, that mm. steady, you would never be able to explain to me the wrestling with the flesh or the weakness that you have if you mm. didn't know what to compare it to as in a steady obedience. And so maybe you're not giving yourself enough credit in recognizing that you have made progress. So I've got a series of questions for you. I don't want you to hang <laughs> up. I'm going to put you back on hold.
2: And then okay. when we get
3: back, I want not only do I want to go through these questions with you and those listening, but I also want to emphasize the grace of God as we go through okay. them, okay? Okay. So Thanks. hang on, I'm going to put you on hold. You bet. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. We got a great great question talking about salvation and even the mundaneness of walking with Jesus. We're talking to Angela. She'll be first up when we get back. Uh, give me a call. I have an open line. 303-690-3000.
0: Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303 690 3000 or text us at 720 336 0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now.
3: Hey, welcome back to the second half of Calvary Live. Time goes by so fast. I mean, it just happens. Um, unbelievable. So fast. 303 is the number. Uh, Mark, I know you were waiting for an answer. The book that I had does not address that. It only actually addresses um, Old Testament passages as they're used in the New Testament. So uh, it didn't even deal with that part, but it deal did deal in in, in depth with the manna and so it's you've made me curious. I'm going to read it later this week um, just to look at what was going on in their minds when it related to manna. But sorry, Mark, no follow-up on that one, uh, but I was able to check. Uh, so let's go back and talk to Angela. She called from Fort Collins, Colorado. Angela, welcome back.
1: Hi, again. <laughs> hey, so we
3: we were talking, just in case anyone's uh, joining us on the second half that weren't a part of the first half, uh, we were talking about just um, feelings and sal- uh, related to salvation experience and that... Um, being uh, responded, you know, responding to the gospel in a young age. Um, you don't have any major recollections of a of some big emotional feeling, and haven't had many of them since then. Is that accurate?
1: Uh, yes and no. I mean, I, I definitely when I ask God, you know, I do it not all the time, but you know, when I do ask Jesus, okay. Lord, you are the Lord of my life. Yes, please just let your Spirit touch my heart most of the time I definitely break down. <laughs> okay, good. Um it's definitely emotional, yeah, for sure. But it's just not that life-changing where, you know, I go, "God, I don't want to do XYZ," but then I do XYZ and it's like, "God, you know, I know it was my own stupid decision." Yes. But I'm asking you for strength here and I'm not getting it and so it's just that circle and again, I just I've been dying to ask you for months yes. <laughs> and I finally finally got the, the gall to give you a call today. <laughs> well let
3: me so, so, so now broadening that question a little bit, um, I definitely want to go through a list of questions for people but I'm as you describe it as you describe it now, does this tell me if this sounds like you it says uh, the law is good then. The trouble is not with the law but with me because I'm sold into slavery with sin as my master. I don't understand myself at all, for I really want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing I hate. I know perfectly well that what I'm doing is wrong, and my bad conscience shows that I agree that the law is good, but I can't help myself, because it's sin inside me that makes me do these evil things.
1: I'd say that summarizes me pretty good.
3: Uh, that Pretty was well. Paul the Apostle writing in Romans chapter mm. 7. Yeah. And, you know, in the, old, in the New King James it says, the things I do I don't want to do, and the things yep. I don't <laughs> do I want, I, you know, I'm the things I do I don't want to do, and the things I want to do I don't do and
1: I'm very familiar with that one
3: (laughs) and you know he gets to the end right he gets to the end in chapter 7 he says who will deliver me from this what a miserable person I am who will deliver me from this body of death or in the new living it says who will free me from this life dominated by sin Mm. and then he says thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord so you see how it is in my mind I want to obey God's law but because of my sinful nature I'm a slave to sin and Mm. And you know the the reality of as a if you weren't a believer a, a true believer then you wouldn't have these struggles. Um, mm. These aren't struggles of an unbeliever; these are struggles of a person that's truly born again and truly. So so the question becomes not so much the emotions and the feelings that I kind of emphasized in the first half of the program. Now I hear it cl- more clearly in your in your follow up that the issue is is that. If, if If I'm a believer that's progressed so far, why why does it not seem like I've progressed so far?
1: Nailed it. <laughs>
3: yeah. And, yeah. And, and here's the thing. this is a this is an absolute 100% confirmation of your walk with the Lord and that you're growing more mature. Now maturity doesn't necessarily mean you're going to to be sinless. I mean obviously none of us will be sinless, right um, but we will sin less, In some (laughs) regards. Got it. And here's the thing that people don't realize, and it's kind of counterintuitive. That's why. The intuitive thinking is this the longer I walk with the Lord, the easier it will be. Mm. The the longer I live in relationship with Jesus Christ, the less sin I will notice in my life. I will sin less in many different ways. Mm. But here's the that while there are some, some truths to that, here's the the real truth the longer I walk with the Lord and the closer I am in relationship to Jesus Christ, I realize just how bad I am.
0: Mm.
3: That Remember, Paul had a progression, and toward the end of his life, what does he say? I am the chief of sinners, and I hope I finish my race well. Mm. He didn't say, hey guys, I'm on the other end of the finish line. I made it. You bunch of losers! Um, I'm Paul the <laughs> Apostle, and you're not. I mean, that's right. never his posturing ever. Um, right. His posturing is always in humility, and and it's amazing because the closer we are to Jesus. I mean, Isaiah had a Isaiah had a view uh, had a similar view when he was in the very presence of the throne room of God. His response was, "What, man? I am a man of unclean lips. Mm. Uh, when I get a clear glimpse of God, it only reveals." the fact that I'm not God.
0: Yeah. And okay.
3: and so just for the sake of folks um, listening that might have been listening the first half too, um, consider some of the questions that help a person determine whether they have a real relationship with God. Uh, number one, there'll be an evidence of spiritual life. And spiritual life means that um, you will be able to understand the Bible. Um, mm. it, it will mean that you'll have a new spiritual dimension. Every, what everybody's trying to fake in the world today, um, you know, the, whether you're on Oprah or the Today Show or Dr. Phil, there's always this sense of wanting to fake spirituality. And, mm. and people will talk about, well, I'm really spiritual, but they're not connected to God at all. Um, right. Spiritual life comes from the sun, S-O-N. Mm-hmm. And a believer experiences spiritual life. Um, number two, a believer has a new sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. And the sensitivity started when you responded to the conviction of sin, and it continues on to um, sense whether the Holy Spirit's leading, confirming, guiding, opening up the Scriptures. I, I mean, I can, these first two uh, are very—I um, I recognize them in my own spiritual life because, you know, before I was saved— I was dead as a doornail as a spiritual man. I had no spiritual life in me at all. Um, I mean, none. And uh, sensitivity to the Holy Spirit—I I didn't. I was insensate to the things of God. Mm. And and certainly that's not the way it is anymore. Uh, thirdly, a, a sign of salvation uh, of a relationship with God is you have a desire to be with other believers. Yes. Uh, we talked about the one steady obedience and and here's where grace comes in you know you're you're measuring steady obedience differently than god measures it and mm. god measures steady obedience in the heart of the matter and mm. not by you know cuz sometimes i think it was chuck swindoll that wrote a book uh, i think i got it from him first it's not an unfamiliar phrase but he talked about three steps forward and two steps back Mm. Well, sometimes it's two steps forward and a hundred steps back. Like you're just like, <laughs> what am I thinking? And right. and, and then if you you know we kind of are talking about uh, sinful mistakes uh, as if they don't have any consequences, but then factor in the consequences, and it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. But the phone call that you're making right now is to me is evidence of obedience. It's steady obedience is not perfect obedience. It's just what Jesus said. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, another sign of salvation is spiritual assurance, and and that's just basically a steady faith, like we mm. believe what God says, and and we believe that when He said He gives gives us eternal life, then we believe Him, and we continue yeah. to believe in Him. And I know you could see that in your life. For um, sure. Another another gift of salvation or an evidence is spiritual security. Um, again, you might be interpreting, or somebody listening might be interpreting this where I think and feel this all the time. Right. But, but nobody can think and feel this all the time. Um, this is the manner of our life. Like, for example, do you work? Yes. Are you there every day? Almost. Right, but you're still employed and you Person. still work. Right. And yeah. I'm sure you call in sick from time to time. Yep. So we don't define yep. by that phrase, are you at work? Or do you, you know, do you have a job? You say, yeah. Are you there every day? No. Then you don't have a job. What do you mean I don't have a job? Just, right. I'm not there every day. So you, you can see how our minds are able to take a truth and also have some of the sensibilities of reality built in. Yeah. And I what I found with believers, with Christian believers in particular, is a through a misunderstanding of the simplicity of grace, they aren't able to view their relationship with the Lord with these same sensibilities. Mm. So the sensibility is, um, here's an example. Uh, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Well, yeah, I mean, I sort of, I kind of, maybe, uh, I, I really, the reason I'm calling is I made a big failure. Well, that's all part of the package. It's a, it's a yes or no question. Yeah. And... You know, you're, you're either a good believer in the moment or a bad believer, but you're still a believer.
1: <laughs> I like that.
3: <laughs> and and yeah. so here's some other things. Do you love what God loves? You already said yes. Do you hate what God hates? Yes. Um, when there are When there's conflict spiritually in your life, like when there's a spiritual disagreement, when you don't agree with something God has said or written, the believer always recognizes that God wins yeah and we okay. the the word for that is we yield,
0: mm.
3: we yield think about it this way, um for a mom with kids, their her kids yield to her, but very few other kids yield to her. I mean, right. they might because she's an adult, but not in the same way as her kids, okay, and her kids love her, trust her, have spent a lot of time with her. Uh, they might be flipping out, but then she stands strong and says, "I want you to do this," and the response of the kid is yielding. Okay. Um, but I don't. I didn't see my kids, you know, flip out with other people all that much in their lives. Nor did I watch them have to yield. But if they did, if there was a disagreement, like we had them, somebody babysitting them, and there was a disagreement, I would expect them to yield. Right. And another one. I, I listed off ten things here. Um, another one that is a mark of a true believer is that we long for his return. Mm, We're waiting yeah. for him. No, unbelievers don't care. Yeah. And and so in these in this simple list of you know examining ourselves, n- the word perfect isn't mentioned. the The steady is mentioned, but not perfect. Sure. Neither is emotion. It doesn't say. Do you feel like yielding, or do you feel like because some days we don't. Some days right. we don't. And, and yet we're. some days we wake up as a believer in relationship with Jesus Christ that doesn't have the corresponding feelings because most of our lives is living a vibrant, exciting, fulfilling life in the everyday mundane things.
1: Yeah, that's great.
3: I mean, think about this, and I'll give you one more thought. some of the the people that impress me the most or encourage me the most or inspire me the most are the ones that have every reason to give up. Mm. Every human reason. And they don't. Yeah. Because their faith carries them through. You know, immediately in my mind, I have uh, in my mind a a man by the name of Steve who is diagnosed with ALS. And it's a major battle in his life. But he hasn't given up. That's not to say some night last week he was like, I give up. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he has. He hasn't let me into that part of his life, but I'm sure he has. I have. I don't need to speak, I don't need Steve to tell me. I have. Right. I, I have come to that place many times. And and then and then I just sit there, you know, or I just lay there, and God's faithfulness is is surrounding me and encouraging yep. me and in, in me and giving me life from the inside. That even though I feel like I give up, I get up, I take a shower, I serve him, read my Bible. You know, I've read my Bible many times, I didn't even want to read it. I just sure. read it out of obedience. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Or I come to a, like I'm so messed up emotionally, I come to a passage, I don't like that, and I close it.
1: Um, yeah. <laughs> and, I may have been there once or twice. <laughs>
3: and, and, you know, that's normal. Some people have a stronger constitution, some people have a weaker, but that that's the beauty of the body of Christ. Um, mm. All of us, he lets us all in the same way, by faith, in Jesus yeah. Christ.
1: Awesome. Perfect. Well, that's. thank you so much, and thank you for taking so much time with me. I apologize to any other callers. <laughs> You've been very helpful and just I can't thank you enough for well, you're welcome. going over all that
3: so I, yeah I um I think that sure. I think that I've got two recommendations for you one is pick up the book Why Grace Changes Everything
1: Why Grace Hold on everything okay yeah,
3: the author's name is Chuck Smith okay and this it's a very an easy one to remember <laughs> yeah very simple introduction to understanding God's gracious love towards you, that it's not dependent on your performance or on your abilities. Your relationship with God is dependent upon what He's done for you. And I know it sounds simple enough, but as He unpacks it, it'll blow your mind.
1: Okay. Awesome. And
3: and, and then the second one is that on the topic of mundaneness and just the reality that much of life is mundane, listen to that study on the app or on the website. Yep. I think it'll bless you.
1: Okay. Awesome. Okay. And that one I wrote down, too. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Well, could you pray for me before we hang up? You bet. Quick.
3: You, You bet. Father, I pray, God, as we end this call, that you would bless Angela in the spiritual growth that could come even from a phone call, Lord, that the truths that were shared and some of the road marks, you know, some of the signposts along the way would remind her of your great love for her, that even when she doesn't feel it, Uh, even when she doesn't even think it, that I I think of that passage, God, you said, when we are faithless, you remain faithful. And in those episodes of faithlessness, God, we're grateful that you are faithful. Uh, We're grateful that you have promised not to leave or forsake us. And so help Angela, and and I know many people listening in um, are in the same place uh, might be a little different here, maybe a little different there, but just this spiritual attack to undermine, I'd like to emphasize all the mistakes instead of emphasizing your finished work in our lives. Amen. And may we just be delivered from this this body of death and these bad habits, and may we grow in grace trusting you. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Enjoy your day. Okay, and thank, thank you, you. listeners, for uh-huh. putting up with me. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. <laughs> All right, bye-bye.
3: We are going to have a water baptism tonight. We'll be here at 7 o'clock at Calvary Church in Aurora. Uh, come on out. If you've never been water baptized, Our uh, tons of people in our church family are going to be baptized, and uh, it's a very exciting time. We had to postpone it because of the snow, and uh, it's tonight, 7 o'clock. Uh, Go to CalvaryAurora.org for directions. Uh, we're basically on Hampton, one block east of Tower. Al is calling from Denver. Al, welcome to the program.
4: Hey, hey, Pastor, how you doing? Good. Hey, I had a question for you. Um, and, I, and I'm in desperate, destitute need for help okay. uh, in my marriage with my wife. All right. um, we've been married barely two years, um, we've been separated for a year and a half of that by a restraining order. Um, in the beginning, uh, everything was great, like you mentioned. That last phone call I felt like was for me and a lot of that information was for me as well and my wife. Um, and I know my wife is probably listening, but um I'm not ashamed of of what's what what I'm telling to the Lord and confessing you, but in that year and a half that we were separated by the restraint order, I committed adultery on my wife. Um, we had no contact, no communication. Um, and a lot of things that have plagued our, our marriage is the fact that there's a, a grave lack of respect for one another. Um, I love my wife. Um, I know when I when I met her that she was a woman I was meant to be with. Um, I wouldn't have waited so long to marry um, if it wasn't for her, if it wasn't her. And we're both believers. Um, definitely, I grew up in church, um, and, and I totally believe in God. But my problem is that you know, with us going through these through this situation, um, I was angry. Um, when when she filed a restraining order, because it wasn't because I was physical, it was because I was verbally abusive. And I know verbal verbal abuse is bad. Um, unfortunately, in my household, my mother and father, I never seen the verbal abuse. I never seen physical abuse. However, my father wasn't even there. Most of the time, he'd come around two days out of the month, juggling women. Um she was in type of same similar situation. She was raised by a single mother. Father was never around. how? Hey,
3: and yes sir. And we're going to be running out of time here pretty quick, so how about we get to the end as fast as we can see if I can help a okay. little bit.
4: Yeah, I just want to know what where, you know, when it comes to um separation and marriages and stuff like that. Um is it justifiable to separate like that and then now the restraining order is over. My wife, she'll answer the phone calls when she wants to. She'll um, answer the text messages when she wants to. A lot of times she won't. I mean, and then she says she's doing what God. She's she's doing what God tells her to do. I'm very bewildered by it, and it's making me lose a lot of faith in God. If she's a woman of God, so that's my question to you.
3: Well, let's let's talk first of all that. Let's talk about the easier part. Your wife's actions towards you are. Did, did I hear you correctly? It said you, they're making you lose faith in God.
4: Oh yeah, definitely. Okay, so why,
3: why is why would you allow the actions of your wife to somehow diminish your faith in God? What has he done in this whole scenario that's marked with sin and the consequences of sin? How how does it how does your mind think? And I know we don't have a lot of time, but help mm-hmm. me real quick to understand. How does your mind conclude that you're losing faith in the one, the only constant, faithful, steady person in your life? What is that? What you, what makes you turn on God because of the actions of your wife?
4: I just feel like I'm disappointing God with this covenant. It's, I mean, with the restraint, me causing the restraining order, her uh-huh. filing it, and then us, we're still arguing, but we don't get along. I'm like, man, this is just crazy. You know, like two unequal yokes. And like I said, we're both believers, but I, I I question her belief a lot by her actions, and I, I just have a hard time, you know, when people of God say, oh, I'm a person of God, but then they commit these actions that tell me, oh,
3: mm, I don't think so. Well, I mean, I, I think just from the brief part that you shared with me, you guys both have a responsibility in this relationship of making really bad, sinful mistakes, and, and so you too, it could be said of you that you said you were a man of God, but there are episodes in your life you didn't live that way. Um, exactly. And so I so I, I think that you guys, you know, obviously a radio broadcast, a radio show isn't going to be able to solve um, the, the depth of difficulties in your marriage, but I would be praying. It's okay to be separate in a marriage if it's for mm-hmm. the purposes of praying and fasting so that you guys can come back together stronger, and no doubt, the way you're describing the scenario, you're going to need help when you guys come back to get back together. And, and so <clears throat> I would begin praying specifically and then offering it to um, my wife that I would like to sit down with a third party in our church, a pastor or an elder or a leader, and let's start working on the main issues in our, in our marriage. Okay. Um, number one. Number two, what side of town do you live on? I live in, in Aurora. Actually,
4: I go to your church.
3: Okay, good. So you can call the office anytime uh, and set up an appointment if your wife's willing to talk to one of the guys here. Um, you know, that's that's what they do. Um, that's what we do, helping guys get back on track. And and so, since you're already here, uh, what services do you what service do you normally attend? The uh,
4: I think it's what ten forty, 10, 40 five.
3: Okay. Around there. So I'm gonna. I'll have a gift for you. I'll have a book. Uh, I'll have a book to give you this Sunday. Okay. And it is, and, and I'm only giving it to you because you're going to be making the commitment to me to read it. Yes, sir, definitely. And, you know, some of us, most of us entered into marriage not really understanding what marriage is, uh, mm-hmm. how to do it, how to be a man. I'm going to just speak for myself. I, I, I needed to learn how to be a man. I needed to learn how to be a godly man. I, mm-hmm. I needed to learn how to be a husband. Uh, I needed to learn how to love my wife, and I mean, in many ways, even after thirty years of marriage, I'm still learning. Um, but I do know this: God rescued our marriage; uh, he, He's the center of it, and I've I've recognized His power uh, in rescue His rescuing power. And when He has two people that are willing to submit themselves to Him, man, God can do amazing things. So let me pray for you because we're coming up on the end of the show, and uh, I will. Have a book, even if um, you and I can't connect. I'll have it at the pulpit. Uh, it'll say "Owl" on it. I'll put a little yes, post-it note on it, and uh, make sure that we get it for you. Okay, my gift. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Father. I pray for my brother Owl and the difficulties of this uh, relationship, and uh, the the difficulties that he's facing, all the feelings, the undermining of his faith. Um, I pray for his marriage, Lord. I. I know that that you can do all things. With what what what's impossible with man, is possible with you. And so I, I pray that you'd help him navigate these difficult um, waters, Lord. He doesn't know exactly uh, what to what to do uh, and how to do it, and it's frustrating and it's hard. And he, even he has contributed to some of the difficulty. Um, and so I just pray you'd clean up this mess that that, God, you would be honored through one more saved saved marriage, one more rescued family, so that you would get the glory through their testimony. In Jesus' name, amen.
4: Amen. Thank you so much, man.
3: Okay, bro. See you soon.
4: Yes, sir. I'll see you this Sunday.
3: All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right. I got one minute. I'm going to take this call one minute. I know it's not going to be sufficient, but... I'm gonna do my best, Frank in Thornton, Colorado. Frank, you hey, got, how you doing today? We got maybe 90 seconds, if that.
2: Okay, I'll get it done real quick. I'm gonna be real good at this. Okay, main issue, you, your guy on the phone who answered the phone um, answered a lot of my questions. Great guy, I think you know, got a great guy that answered your phones. Frank's um, a good guy. So, um, what I want to say is, I got a daughter okay. who is, uh, doesn't have faith in God at all. She knows there is a higher power, doesn't believe in God. And she has a very um very um risky surgery coming up next month, okay, and um being a father who's in my faith um I talk to her I planted a seed, I pray upon the holy spirit to to grow that seed and help her look at um Christ, yes, and she's asking me, oh Dad, what do you think something could go wrong with the surgery and go I'm thinking something may could could go wrong. I'm very confident in the doctors, but as a father, I, I worry about her with her faith, and she goes, well, you know, I just worry about, yeah, where is she going if something were to go wrong with the surgery, and I'm talking to her about um, her faith, and she goes, damn, I'm just not into that kind of stuff, and I'm going, you know, I'm just trying to navigate those tricky waters, trying to get her to at least look at God. I try to tell, try to talk to her, don't look at religion so much, sure. look at relationship, Um have a relationship with your friends try to build a re- relationship with Christ since he was the perfect teacher whoever walked the planet um, and he died for you you never have a better friend than Jesus so well what's her name that being said what's her, her name, name is Katie father so if we you pray, pray, for pray upon Katie. her that would be I really, really appreciate that
3: god we lift up Katie to you and you you know you hear a dad's plea uh for help uh, you you hear a dad's plea for his daughter, to come to know you, even through this crisis. So I pray that you would uh, use his seeds, planted, send somebody to water them. We look forward to you giving the increase in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, end of the show. Come on out, seven o'clock. We have water baptism tonight, uh, a night totally dedicated to seeing people go into the waters of baptism. God bless you guys. Hope FM, Truth FM, tomorrow, Lord willing.